It's time for JT the Brick. I want to share with you quickly how gutless the media is. In general, gutless. The Washington Commanders and their failure in that organization had an effect on the Raiders. And if you look big picture, all those emails that started, everything changes. One storyline changed the 10-year contract, but that triggered one of the most massive turnovers in Raider history. JT the Brick. The Brian Flores lawsuit, where he claims the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, asked him to tank games. Where's that story today? Don't see it anywhere. The John Gruden emails. How come Gruden's emails exclusively were leaked and no one else's were leaked? And who else was on those emails? Ooh, don't want to go there, right? Who else was on those emails? Can't find that. We can find out about marching bands. What a joke. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we got a big day today. As it is May 10th, 510 in the Bay Area or the East Bay, where the Oakland A's are selling tickets for $5.10. And you want that clown show here in Vegas? You want that clown show to move down here in Vegas? I'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Welcome in, everybody. Busy day today. We're going in a lot of uh, different directions. It's the Raider offseason, so I got to go in a lot of different directions from the NBA to broadcasting deals to everything that's happening in and around this community as we're brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. You know, they lead and fuel the monologue for me. For many, many years here, we thank PT's Taverns, all of those locations, Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, the SG Bar, and all of their daily food specials, power play specials, plus happy hour. Watch the playoffs and enjoy the $3 hot dogs and more. All the drink specials, $13 pitchers all day, all month. Modelo, Corona, Pacifico. Let us know what you're drinking there. Go follow PTs on all their social media. So the biggest story in sports is what I talk about on this show, period. That's what I lead every monologue off on my national show and this show. And today it's Tom Brady uh, agreeing to terms with the largest broadcasting deal in the history of sports broadcasting. Are you kidding me? Tom Brady is going to be the highest paid broadcaster of all time. The Murdoch family has agreed to terms with Brady when he retires that he'll go to Fox and be the lead analyst, the number one analyst, and he'll make double what Troy Aikman, double what Tony Romo are making. That broke the internet today. So no one saw that coming, and I got to give Fox credit. No matter where you are with Fox and Big Fox, remember, this is Fox. This isn't Fox Sports 1. This isn't the NFL on Fox. It's a piece of that. This is Big Fox. And they pay Tucker Carlson of Fox News. And they pay for sitcoms. And they pay for big, big, big projects along the way. You see WWE wrestling. You see everything that they have on that channel. And football is the lead. And they're going to pay Tom Brady to be their lead analyst. With Kevin Burkhart, friend of the show, very good broadcaster. But let me tell you who woke up today in shock. In absolute shock that this happened. This is just my opinion. First off, number one, Troy Aikman's got to be freaking out. Troy Aikman was lowballed by Fox for $16 million, won at $18 million. They were lowballing him. He jumped. He went to ESPN. Joe Buck, who is really the face of Fox, right? He's the face of Fox when it comes to baseball and football because Troy left and his wife working at ESPN and the money he's making, he ends up going to ESPN. And they have $375 million for Brady? who's never broadcast anything other than a podcast with Jim Gray? you got to be kidding me. 
Also, what is Peyton Manning thinking today? Remember, all these guys got unlimited money, so they're all pretty good. But if Peyton Manning would have took this job a year or two ago, Peyton Manning could have been great at it. We saw the Manning cast. He's really good. We know that Peyton Manning and Brady are so sharp, they're ahead of the play like Romo. And Peyton Manning could have had this job. Peyton Manning ain't making $375 million over a 10-year deal to do anything. And Peyton Manning didn't get in on this deal with Brady. This is a drop-the-mic moment in sports broadcasting history. I'm in sports broadcasting. You hear me every day talk about our partners, PTs, Modellos, Sam and Ash, Remy Martin, my friends at Resorts World. I'm a grinder. I'm trying to get more and more partners into this show to make money for our company and for myself and for my wife and kids. But $375 million for Tom Brady, you got to have an opinion on that. Again, it's not low-hanging fruit Raiders talk today. I got nothing other than a couple of things and a couple of players who are available. This is a much bigger topic than anything in the Raider Nation. Tom Brady's contract with Fox. Here's Ian Rappaport earlier today explaining the deal on NFL Network. Yeah, all of that is... All of that is wild. You know, and Andrew Marshawn has a joke about everyone wants to cover sports media. Exactly. He actually does it, so I will trust him on those numbers. A massive, massive salary for Tom Brady. Uh, much, much bigger than whatever he's making for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. But there's so much here for Tom Brady. And this actually answers, guys, a lot of questions. There's been so much discussion about what is Tom Brady going to do after he retires. Is he going to, oh, I don't know, become a part owner of the Miami Dolphins and then do some other things? We now actually know the answer. He is going to join Fox as a lead analyst alongside Kevin Burkhart, which is awesome because Burkhart is awesome and a great, great guy. And we are going to hear from Brady for the foreseeable future. And perhaps he saw Peyton Manning and his brother Eli do a little thing on uh, the Manning cast and was like, you know what? I could probably do that. So he goes with the more traditional thing. But here's my question, guys. So Fox has a Super Bowl coming up this year. Yep. Got a couple Tom Brady, up. who is still playing this year, if his team loses and he knows that he's done, does he jump in the booth for the Super Bowl? I asked a Fox spokesman. He declined to comment. Certainly leaves some interesting questions going forward. So I'd like your reaction to this breaking news today on an NFL flagship. This is an NFL topic. And we got a big show and a big streaming audience here. And get your opinion on this. 702-365-9200. I don't care about the backup Raider cornerback today. Don't care. I care about this. Talk show, that's what everyone in the business is talking about today, the Brady contract. To me, it's mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. And as I dive deeper into this, and I podcast about this with my partner, Looney, and we look into what's happening with Amazon coming into the NFL, Apple coming into sports, Facebook, who has as much money as any company in the world, as they're all getting into sports, the price continues to move up. So the price continues to move up for these elite, elite broadcasters. And the networks, and some of them aren't doing well in all their sports ventures. They're not. Sometimes they're losing money. They're making money. They're trying to fudge the numbers to get a sitcom or a movie made, whatever they're doing. It's so intensely over my pay grade of what they're trying to do to move numbers, depreciation, studio depreciation, the price of buildings, taxes that they pay or don't pay. It it fascinates me. This was on CNBC today as I switched over watching the stock market, which has been getting slaughtered for the last you know, six to eight weeks. And they're talking about Tom Brady today because how it will affect Fox going forward. And Brady gets this deal done. And it was also done pretty stealth. 
under the radar, the way Dave Ziegler does stuff over there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, under the radar, so we don't know about it. And today, I mean, this is just massive to me. So it's going to affect the way you watch football. And you're all football content subscribers. You all watch football. You sit in sports books here in Vegas or wherever you are, and you watch games. Now you're going to have to watch Tom Brady. Now, name drop alert, I've become good friends over the years. I think good friends with Joe Montana. I emceed a couple of his golf tournaments, got to know Joe, uh, did some radio with him. I think the world of Joe Montana. Joe Montana and Bill Walsh got into broadcasting, and it didn't work. Now, it could have worked, but I don't think they were committed. Joe got into it right after he retired with four Super Bowls. He was the king of football. He didn't want to do this. And Joe, if you know Joe, Joe flies in off into Vegas on a private jet. He's here for about four hours, and he's home by dinner. And he makes four hundred grand signing his name. Not, not forty grand. Four hundred grand. I remember Joe Montana shows up, so Joe doesn't have to chase this, and he wasn't a very good broadcaster. The guy who changed all of this is Tony Romo. Tony Romo came into broadcasting, and CBS rolled the dice on him, and it was perfect. He's great. He's not good. Because Tony Romo can see the play develop as it's coming to the line of scrimmage. He tells you what the play is going to be before the play happens. And he had really good chemistry with Jim Nance, who's arguably the gold standard in all of sports. He does the NFL. He does college basketball in the Final Four. And he does the Masters. So Jim Nance helped Tony Romo, and they've been an unbelievable team. And Romo was overpaid when he started. But CBS was aware of how great a broadcaster he was. No one has any clue what Tom Brady can do. Now, here's the concern I have for Tom Brady. I lump him in with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, who doesn't do any broadcasting, none. He doesn't have to because he has a building up at the Nike campus and makes a billion dollars being associated with Jumpman and Nike. And then Derek Jeter. You know, Derek Jeter could never do this. If he wanted to be the lead baseball analyst on Fox, Derek Jeter wouldn't say anything controversial. Joe Montana wouldn't say anything critical as he was calling games Will Tom Brady be able to do that? Will Tom Brady, a year or two from now, if Derek Carr is having a bad game and he's doing it, point out something negative about Carr? If he does, the whole world's going to pick up on it, and so will you. Can Brady do that? Because if Brady can't do that, then he doesn't need to be in the booth. The reason why Brady's going to be in the booth is because he's the greatest player of all time. He's going to bring in an initial big audience because people are going to want to see if he passes or fails. And this is a lot of pressure on Tom Brady because he's never done this before. He's going to have to get into the booth, do practice games, figure out when to talk or not. So this to me is massive. It came out of nowhere. Love to get your opinion on it. 702-365-9200. Are you happy for Tom Brady? Are you negative about Tom Brady who trolls the Raider Nation often about the tuck rule? Well, it might have been a fumble, this and that. He's just trying to play everybody in the Raider Nation. So that's what I wanted to lead with, uh, Tom Brady today. Let's get the show going on that before I get into a couple of other topics here, 702-365-9200. The other topic that I wanted to get into the monologue brought to you by our friends at Resorts World. Head on out to Doghouse Saloon to watch all your sports and especially football, even if Tom Brady's calling the game or not. Is the propaganda I saw again today on the Broncos and the Chargers. If you follow me on Twitter... I went to my Twitter today early this morning because I was watching a show that once again ripped the Raiders and said that the Raiders aren't a playoff team and praised the Broncos and the Chargers. 
Here's the tweet from three hours ago. Chargers and Broncos missed the playoffs last year and lost three out of four to the Raiders, and their propaganda machines are working overtime once again. So what we're finding now, again, is the media is falling in love with the Chargers. As I reported first, because I know this to be true, the Chargers have a caravan. They bring muffins and croissants to the media in Los Angeles to try to get them interested in the Chargers. No one's interested in the Chargers. But now the Chargers are becoming more and more interesting because they got Khalil Mack. They got Mr. Interception. They got Justin Herbert, who's not good. He's great. They got Derwin James. They got good players. But they got Boyd Blunder as a head coach, and they didn't make the playoffs. And the Chargers, always weird things happen to them with the kicking game, special teams, and they don't win. But the Chargers are coming. The last couple of years, I got it right. The media got it wrong when I said that the Chargers were a false prophet. Prophet, They weren't going to go anywhere. But people still went in and said 12 wins, 11 wins, and all of that. Well, the Chargers are now coming. The Chargers are on the verge of having a team that can win 10, 11, 12 games. Raider fans, deal with it. Justin Herbert isn't good. He's bleeping great. He's not good. He's great. So that team is coming. Khalil Mack's coming to get you. They got Bosa on the other side. So now the media, who's been basically in love with this team for two or three years and they've done squat, now they're doubling down again and saying over 10 wins, they're betting over the total, it's 11 or 12. But that doesn't make me, my my stomach sick as much as Denver. We, the Raider Nation, fired Vic Fangio. They go crazy when I say that in Denver. They tweet it out and everybody mocks me. JT doesn't know nothing. Really, I do know a lot. I've been doing this longer than most guys in Denver, especially in the AFC West. And Denver now has Russell Wilson and their schedule's coming out. And, oh, man, we got to put Russell Wilson in prime time. We got to give him Monday night football. I think Russell Wilson's also great, not good. He's going to the Hall of Fame, period. And he's in the division now. And everybody is there lapping up Denver, telling you that they're going to the playoffs. So I saw it today on radio and TV, and it's the same thing. And the way people shake their head, the analyst who was talking about it said, listen to me, quote, the analyst who I saw on TV this morning said, oh, the Raiders' defense isn't good. They're not going to be good for a while. I said, what? The Raiders' defense got Chandler Jones and Mad Max? Rocky Asin comes in. They're not done. They might get, might get another corner. Patrick Graham's the defensive coordinator. I think the Raider defense is pretty good. I think it's a better defense than what Gus Bradley had last year, and the Raiders won 10 games. But the Raiders are very flawed because the Raiders don't turn over the football. And now they're going to have to do that under Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Because if the Raiders don't turn the football over and shorten the field for Derek Carr and the defense is on the field too long, the Raiders are going to struggle. But I give the Raiders more credit because I know the team, I'm inside the team, and I know how good they are, and I got an idea of where they are compared to the Chargers in Denver. So a lot of people come up to me and they say they listen to the show for that reason because they know I'm going to protect the front gate and the back door of the Raider Nation. When I see this garbage, I'm going to put it on the radio and I'm going to tell you about it to stir the pot and get Raider fans going again. It's the same crap we saw last year, and Denver didn't make the playoffs. The Chargers didn't make the playoffs, and the Raiders did with 10 wins. And now they're kicking the Raiders to the curb saying, well, the defense isn't ready, or not even that. 
They're saying that the Raiders are good, but these teams are going to leapfrog them. Leapfrog them. And it's the classic media story that the Raiders don't get the benefit of the doubt. They just don't. They don't get the benefit of the doubt. There's even people here in Vegas in the media who never wanted the Raiders to move here. They'll never admit to it. They hated the stadium. They didn't like the finance of the stadium. But they raced to get a credential to go to the game and get on the food line. This is about the image of the new Raiders going forward. There's a lot of change with the team that we're aware of in the executive offices and the football team. Many people are doubting the Raiders. There's only a few in the media that think they have the opportunity to do something special. It should make Raider Nation furious. Not to the point where you got to be crazy and, and yell and scream like I do. Leave that to me. But the fact that you Raider fans get so disrespected with this garbage every May into June. Every May into June. And look, this team hasn't won a playoff game in a long time, right? This team hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time until last year. So the counter-argument is, JT, shut up. This team's done nothing. They haven't done anything since the Super Bowl run with Rich Gannon. Nothing since then. And that would be a fair argument. They've had some good teams. They've had some bad teams and mostly some average teams. But this team is above average. They won 10 games. This team's got one of the greatest play callers of all time in Josh McDaniels. This team brought in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball. They play in a brilliant stadium. They have the best or top two practice facilities in all of football. And more and more players want to play here now, which was a concern for me uh, of the last two years because I didn't think a lot of players got it that they wanted to move to Southern Nevada and play for the Raiders until Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams and everybody else was interested. Now more and more players are interested, and there's still a couple of them out there. So, everybody, the show started 18 minutes ago. Let's wake up the show. 702-365-9200. I gave you the false propaganda of Denver and what we're seeing with the Chargers again. I mean, the Chargers make me sick to my stomach. I like the Chargers in San Diego. I'm going to San Diego this weekend. My wife and I are going Friday, Saturday, Sunday before the Blitnikoff event back on Sunday, Monday. And we're going to get away for the weekend in San Diego. I loved the Chargers when they were in San Diego. I didn't love them against the Raiders, but I loved that road trip. I loved going to games there. I loved the tailgating with the Raider Nation. And now the Chargers are in L.A., and they make me sick because of their phoniness and the fact that the media there is taking the bait on all this. And if I'm wrong, you know where to find me. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. If the Chargers win 12 or 13 games, I'll have to deal with all of that, and I'll have to explain it. But again, last time I looked, I was in the building. The Raiders went 3-1 and one against the Chargers and the Broncos. The Broncos and the Chargers have a 10-win total to the Raiders 8.5. The media is once again buying into this propaganda that these teams are better than their records are, and the Raiders get no benefit of the doubt on any of this. On any of it, and that's not going to change until the Raiders win playoff games. And the first thing they're going to have to do is knock off Kansas City. Because Kansas City is not the team that has dominated the Raiders the last couple of years, or at least last year. And that's probably my most disappointing thing that we saw last year. We all went through a lot of trauma with this team, from Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, the Gruden emails, uh, everything that happened. Complete turnover, and the Raiders won 10 games. 
That was pretty impressive what they did on the field. Rich Passaccia taking over for Coach Gruden, what happened there. Raiders did, did a hell of a job. And they played in the most exciting games combined in the league, right? The five walk-off wins, the field goals by Carlson, the overtime wins. If you're a season ticket over to the Raiders last year, you had the most beneficial season of any fan base in the NFL because of the quality of games, the entertainment, the concerts, the pregame, the halftime celebrations with Charles Woodson pregame for him, Tom Flores halftime. My God, it was an incredible season. Plus, there was a lot of trauma mixed in. This year, everything's going to quiet down. At least I think so, because the guys who are now running the team on the football side are very quiet. They're very focused. They don't want any fanfare. They don't want any player to be different than another player, and they're here to win. And they got a lot of work to do as they move their families here. They settle into this community. They get rid of players. They continue to sign players. It's really a Herculean task of what Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are trying to do. And it happens to a lot of other coaches who take over teams with all the turnover out there. But I'm excited. I'm mostly excited for the schedule release coming out on Thursday and what that means for the Raiders. The schedule's brutal. It's tough. There's going to be no – when you look at this schedule on Thursday, you're going to look at the schedule and say, wow, this is damn tough. And last year the team – did a pretty good job with opening with their wins against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, getting off to a quick start the year before. Everything that the Raiders have done the last couple of years has been really exciting. But this year's schedule is no joke. It is hard. I don't see any. There's two gimmies, but they're not gimmies. It's Houston and Jacksonville. Jacksonville's on the road. Houston, they should win for a number of reasons. And then there's going to be winnable games. But the media is going to spin out of Vegas. It has nothing to do with the Vegas Raiders. It has to do with the Vegas sports books that are going to make the Raiders underdogs in a lot of these games. And then the propaganda is going to start spinning again that the Raiders are going to come in last place in the division. Mark my word. I'm no Stradamus. Brick Stradamus. I see this coming every year. I tell you about it and I'm right. So that's where we are as we open up the show. 702-365-9200. If you have an opinion, if you don't, just sit back and listen, and I'll do all the heavy lifting for you. As we're brought to you by Salmon Ash, Salmon Ash Injury Law, SalmonAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. I referred a great friend of mine today who's in a crisis situation to Salmon Ash. Said, hey, I need your injury attorneys. Can they help me? I referred him. We'll see what happens. I want to do here on the radio. If you're in an accident, call Salmon Ash. Go to SalmonAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Busy show the rest of the way. The sports professor, Rich, Rick Caro, one of the smartest men in all of sports. He was here for the draft. He wants to talk about Vegas as an economy. It's going to be a real good interview. He joins us at 140. And coming up, we'll talk to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk on what he thinks about the Tom Brady news here as we get going. Tom Brady's contract, the largest in broadcasting history. What do you think of that? We'll get into that. At JT the Brick on Twitter and on Facebook as we're out of the gate here. Uh, thanks for listening as we do every day here. I'm off on Friday, Monday, and Tuesday for Bolitnikoff, uh, Fred Bolitnikoff. I got coaches versus cancer uh, next week, and then I'm flying to Chicago on Thursday for Coach Ditka. I'm emceeing Mike Ditka's Gridiron Greats, and I'll do anything for him. So, Raider Nation Radio. We've got a lot to get to. Busy couple of days coming up here. Thanks for listening.
always a good line that, you know, I'm responsible for what I say and do and, um, and not responsible for what others say or do. So again, I think one thing I've learned about sports is, you, you know, you control what you can control and, you know, what you can't, you leave to others. So, you know, everyone I know is we're in such an era of, you know, information and, and, you know, people want to be, um, you know, in front of the news often. And I totally understand that. I understand that's the environment we're in. Um, but I think for me, I'm just literally, it's day me. I'm just trying to do the best I can every day and, you know, make, uh, evaluate things as they come and, you know, trying to make a great decision for me and my family. It's Tom Brady. It was announced by Fox today, Big Fox, the Murdoch family, that it'll be a 10-year deal, $375 million to be lead analyst for the NFL on Fox, which is a big deal because usually that job has other requirements too, appearances, whatever he's going to do. But you can't criticize Brady. I mean, he can get it. He's the GOAT. When you're the GOAT and the greatest of all time, you get what you get. So I'm not knocking him for the money. I think it's going to be fascinating to see if he's any good. Because I think there's some great broadcasters out there that set the bar. And Tony Romo set the bar. I think Chris Collinsworth is amazing. Joe Buck. But, you know, fans get finicky. They don't like certain guys or not. If you're the number one analyst play-by-play, or you're the number one color analyst, you're great. Your bank account proves it. Your ratings prove it. Those guys are there for a reason and gals who have those jobs for a reason. So is Tom Brady cutting the line? Yeah, he's cutting the line. He's cutting the line of all the broadcasters who work their ass off their whole life to put themselves in a position for this. And Brady's still playing, and he's going to cut the line and go right to number one. That's interesting. Now, that's something that presidents can do. You know, former people, big industry leaders, movie stars, whatever it is. They, they know how to cut the line. Entertainers, Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger. They want to do something, they cut the line, they go to number one. Tom Brady's able to do that. Your opinion on that. Uh, we're waiting on uh, Miles Simmons, who will join us from Pro Football Talk, coming up here. Gangster Raider on the Raider flagship. Thanks for calling in. Start us off. Hey, what's up, JT? I'm what's out happening? here feeling good, watching my Kings in the playoffs and enjoying the Dodgers because, you know, my Clippers got put out the playoffs. But like I was, like you were saying about the um, Chargers and the um, media being all on the Chargers and Broncos, it's because, like you said, the media – they um they go around and give gifts to the media out here. So and they um they um got their little darling Justin Herbert. Even though we beat him in the last game of the season, you'd have thought it was the other way around the way they fawn over the Chargers and Justin um Herbert. But it's also a um a lack of respect for the Raiders and Derek Carr because according to the media, Derek Carr is supposed to be the worst division. I mean quarterback in the division, which I don't agree with. I don't think Russell Wilson is as good as a make him out to be or how he used to be because look at the few look at the last few years he had in Seattle. You know what I'm saying? They weren't the greatest and he was injured a lot. You know what I mean? But Raider fans, they all scared of us, trust me. Why you think um the Chargers went out and got Khalil Mack and did uh, upgraded their defense and all that is because they're scared of us. We ended their season. They seen they season ended in Vegas last year and they um knee jerk reaction to that. You know what I'm saying? In Denver, they tired of us sweeping them. That's why the coach got fired because they couldn't beat us. You know what I'm saying? The whole mm-hmm. NFL know we the best team in, in AFC West, but they don't want to admit it. You know what I'm saying? We got to go out there and prove it. And that's all. You know what I'm saying? Wait till the schedule come out. I, I believe we're going to open up on Monday night against the Chargers. So um, first week of the, um, of the season, if I'm right, we'll be able to go punch them in the mouth and Khalil Mack for being a traitor and going over to them when he started off with the silver and black. 
But I agree with you, JT. They always hop on um, Denver and um, the Chargers, and then we got to go prove them wrong. Well, we was the um, only ten win with the, the only other ten win team in the division, and the other team to make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So yep. Raider fans, just hop on the money, take the money in Vegas because we're gonna win more than eight and a half games. And if every Raider fan go and bet that, they'll have to stop um, disrespecting us like that because we're gonna smack them across their head every time they do it. So you know, say I agree with you, JT, and let's go get that. You know what I'm saying? Raiders are nothing. I'm gone. Yeah, appreciate it. You know, the Raiders, if they bet that up, it'll go to nine games. And the over on that, the Raiders will have to win 10, which they won 10 last year, but it's going to be more difficult to win 10 or 11 this year because the schedule is going to be more difficult. There are rumors in New England that, and again, I don't have it, but when we find out the schedule on Thursday, it'll probably get leaked a little bit earlier, but we're off the air right when the schedule release becomes official. I think you're going to see the opportunity, you're definitely going to see the opportunity for New England to come on the road and play this Las Vegas game early. And if it's late, whenever whenever they want to put it, they'll put it here. But if they really want to blow it out and they put New England and the Raiders on Sunday or they get the New England Raiders on Monday quickly, that'll be epic. Belichick versus McDaniels, don't be surprised if something big happens there. Passionate Raider kicking it off today uh, on the flagship. What's happening? What's up, JT? Yeah, man, you know, they. my whole life, this has been the most attention that we've ever gotten, really positive. So I'm not going to say everything's negative, but I do see why we always get the short end of the stick. Because at the end of the day, it's about winning football games, and you got to win football games. They can say Derek Carr's at the bottom of the league in the list right now in the AFC West, and by rights, he is. He has not a playoff win at all. So he's going to have to shut them up. The Raiders are going to have to shut the critics up by going up there, lacing up them boots, lacing them cleats up, JT, and getting it in. You cannot advance unless you win. Winning cures and calms all. Right now, let them talk. Let them talk. What we have to do, what we haven't done, we have to be competitive in the games we're supposed to be competitive in win the games that we're supposed to win by by make the games that are winnable winnable. That's the things that we don't do. So win the football games, go out and play football, let's get it done. JT, I'm on my way to pool 13 right now, my first tournament of the year, man. I'm shaking like a leaf right now, going against these dogs out here. I'm taking my 10 ring, and I'm going to go try to give them hell, man. So same with my Raiders, man. I'm telling you, JT, it's a humbleness for me this year humbleness because i want silent assassins on that field man i want to shut these haters up with just smash mouth old school raider football let's go yeah the schedule this year because the raiders won so many close games last year vegas believes that's the bookmakers that they'll lose some of those close games that's why the numbers at eight and a half as i talked to probably the biggest sports book director in town just saying look jt you can't go five and oh in the games you went five and oh last year on walk-off kicks and that opening and that touchdown and what happened at the end of the baltimore game one or two of those games you're going to get back this year I don't know. I'm not a professional gambler or a handicapper, but that's why Vegas has them. One of the reasons they have them at eight and a half. All right. Miles Simmons, kind enough to join us from Pro Football Talk under Mike Florio and that banner there. We appreciate him coming on. And Miles, thanks for joining us. The big story today. Tell me what you think when you saw the news, Tom Brady's contract with Fox. What was your first reaction to it? 
that is some wild money. I mean, especially because, look, you look at Tom Brady's career. He's not made yet, I think he will this year, $300 million from his playing career. He's not going to make $37.5 million to play this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, So it's unbelievable that he's going to make that kind of money as a broadcaster to talk about football. I, I, I guess if anybody can go and do that, and it kind of makes sense, I mean, it, I guess it's the greatest player of all time, but still, you look at that, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, man. There is a lot of money that's going to be coming into the league and, and into these um, broadcasters for certain different things. I guess part of it has to do with sports betting. Right? There's so much money there that you can say, well, yeah, if we're going to go out and make sure that our broadcasts are number one, we can go and get Tom Brady. So I, it, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of that has to do with the streaming numbers coming in and the Murdochs wanting to make sure they got Brady before anybody else. I, I was just wondering when the news broke what Peyton Manning must be thinking because Peyton Manning probably could have did a deal a year ago or two years ago. I think he's much better on television than Tom Brady. So maybe because Aikman and Buck were still with Fox and there wasn't a lot of movement with Al Michaels yet and all that, maybe the marketplace wasn't there for Peyton, but Aikman... Joe Buck leaving Fox and to see all this money for Brady, they've got to be kicking themselves because this money's ridiculous. It's double what Romo and Aikman are making. Yeah, it sure is. And that's the crazy thing. I mean, you know, everybody is kind of like, oh, my gosh, well, why would Fox just let Troy Aikman walk away like that? I mean, why would you let Joe Buck walk away like this? And, well, I guess we have our answer now because, you know, you're going after somebody who presumably is a bigger fish. You're right. We don't know what Tom Brady is going to be as a broadcaster. We know that Tom Brady's charismatic. He can be kind of funny when he wants to be. He's doing more with TikTok and social media and all that now. But how do we know that those things are going to translate to him being a very good broadcaster? I, I don't know that we do. You know, Joe Montana, that experiment didn't yeah. work very well with him as a broadcaster. So, We'll have to see when it happens. And we don't even know when Tom Brady's going to retire, right? I mean, we can think, like, oh, yeah, maybe this will be his last ride. But we don't know. So it's all very, very interesting and obviously a big long-term play for Fox. Miles Simmons is our guest, Pro Football Talk. You know, it's a good point, here because I'm friends with Joe Montana. I've known Joe for a long time, and uh, Joe tried it, didn't like it didn't fit his lifestyle I think he could have been better but he wasn't an outspoken guy and I don't see that with Brady either from his podcast which has done really well to all of his other ventures that do well whenever he's sitting down for an interview he is very guarded very very much so if Derek Jeter got this type of deal to do baseball or Tiger Woods with golf they're very guarded they don't say anything controversial and when you're a color analyst you don't have to be controversial about life issues but you got to be opinionated about the players on the field you got to be able to criticize quarterbacks criticize coaches live in the booth during a game and I'm sure he's going to be told to do it I just don't know if he can yeah it's interesting too and I'm sort of crossing sports here but you think about the NBA right now and the the what people call the Ferrari or the Lamborghini of, of sports studio shows right and inside the NBA on TNT they've got guys there who are so good at their job because they're not afraid to criticize because they say basically exactly what is on their mind and they're not afraid to be themselves. 
mean, Charles Barkley and Shaq and Kenny and then Ernie, who's the traffic cop who, who runs the whole thing, basically. I mean, those four have something that is so special because they are not afraid to be themselves. And you have to have that sort of level of genuine, genuine authenticity, if we can call it that, although I think those two words mean the same thing. But, you know, when you're, if you're going to be on TV and really going to entertain people, that's something that you have to have. We'll see if Brady can develop it, but you're totally right where he's so guarded. And part of that, obviously, was being with the New England Patriots for as long as he was. I mean, you're not going to get very far, you know, under Bill Belichick unless you can really conform to the Patriot way. Even Gronkowski, you know, as wild as he is, we know – that when it came down to time to work and time to talk to the media, he's not going off script and saying things that are wild. So you need Tom Brady to be more, you know, like do do more things, you know, be, be a little more authentic, be a little more genuine maybe in order to really be that successful in broadcasting, I think. Yeah, Tom Brady's contract with Fox, 10 years, $375 million. Astronomical. Uh, Miles, I want to walk uh, through a couple of divisions in football and get your opinion on this. AFC West is now obviously loaded. Khalil Mack uh, comes over to the Chargers. Russell Wilson. The Raiders got Chandler Jones on top of getting Devontae Adams. And we know Kansas City has been at the top of the list. I got to remind people that the Raiders took three out of four from the Chargers and Denver combined last year. And everybody has Denver and the Chargers ahead of the Raiders. Handicap the AFC West with all the change, and who do you think is going to win that division when the schedule comes out and you get a chance to see it Thursday? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I kind of feel like until Kansas City really falls off, then we've just we got to give them kind of the benefit of the doubt. Because we, we saw last year, what, they were three and four, and it's like, oh, well, that Chiefs dominant run is over. And then what do they do? They go out, they win the division, they end up hosting their fourth consecutive AFC championship game. So they now, I think, even without Tyreek Hill, at least for me, they get the benefit of the doubt of, I think they're going to be able to put it together. And until somebody really comes and snatches that division from them, I think it's still theirs. But that, that battle for the second place, I, I think that people aren't giving the Raiders enough credit in terms of what, what they were able to build last year. And if you look at it, you can maybe say, did they improve in coaching? Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, I think that there is a lot of things that Josh McDaniels can do to improve that offense when it comes to scoring in the red zone. Like, that's one of the things that he's always done well with the Patriots, and they were able to do last year with Matt Jones, especially with Hunter Henry. You know, you want to get Darren Waller a little bit more involved down there in the red zone. You have now somebody in Devontae Adams that can do those things. So that's one area. And defensively, I, I love the way Patrick Graham coaches and puts puts things together. Now, obviously, also came up with the Patriots, but even with the Giants, those dudes were competitive in a lot of those games, even though the talent just wasn't there because of Patrick Graham's team. So I like what they've done. Obviously, look, Justin Herbert, I think, is one of these young, good, on his way to being elite quarterbacks. But they've got some questions to answer there. And you have to wonder, can Khalil Mack stay healthy? Can Derwin James stay healthy? Can Joey Bosa stay healthy for them defensively? Like all those things have a lot to do with whether or not the Chargers are going to be successful. And then with the Broncos, yeah, like, I, Russell Wilson's really, really good. But mm-hmm. you look at the back half of 2020 and most of the 2021 season, and I know Wilson was injured in it, but 
are we sure that Russell Wilson is still that same elite top five, top three QB that sometimes he's been? I don't know. And you've got to be able to integrate yourself into a whole new offensive system and all that. I think there are a little more question marks with the Broncos than we're giving them credit for. So I, right now, like I, obviously this division is going to be so fun to watch. And like, basically you could have every single divisional matchup between the AFC West teams in prime time. And I don't think anybody would be very disappointed. So it's going to be fun to see what this division it turns into. No doubt about it. Miles Simmons is our guest. I want to stay out West with the Niners and the way Kyle Shanahan and they're trying John Lynch to deal with the situation with Debo Samuel on top of the fact that Trey Lance has to play now. He's on his rookie deal. Uh, they're not on board with Jimmy Garoppolo, depending on what happens. So do you expect them to take a step back? They beat the Packers in Lambeau to advance in the playoffs. They were a Super Bowl contender team, but they're running out a quarterback who hasn't played much, not only with the 49ers. He didn't play much on the back end of his college career here. What do you think happens to the Niners coming into this season? Boy, they are such an interesting wild card in that NFC, which I think we all can feel like is a little bit weaker than the AFC right now. But if Trey Lance is not ready, then that's going to be a big problem. I mean, it, it was kind of a problem that he wasn't ready last year, except for the fact that the Niners went to the, a, excuse me, the NFC championship game and really had a chance to advance to the Super Bowl, um, if not for you know that late interception by Jimmy Garoppolo. So, there are a lot of things there where you're saying to yourself, okay, you went out, you got the, the QB that you think is going to be able to be a franchise leader for not just, you know, the length of their rookie contract, but essentially 10, 15 years. That's why you go up and you trade all those picks to get to number three. If he's not ready in year two, that's a problem with your scouting staff. And frankly, I think it's a problem with your coaching staff. And so it seems like they are ready to turn the keys over to Trey Lance. I don't know how good he's going to be. I don't know that any of us really know how good he's going to be. But it doesn't look like Jimmy Garoppolo is a real option to play there for another season. I mean, he's, gone, he's come out and said publicly that he wouldn't wish what he dealt with in the 2021 season with the awkwardness, basically, of the entire thing. He wouldn't wish that situation on anybody. So I think that the 49ers want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just that at this point, where are you going to trade him? And so maybe someplace, you know, more obvious opens up over the next couple of months. But it's just a weird situation right now. Miles Simmons, as we wrap it up from Pro Football Talk, uh, in the NFC, as I stay on the other side of the country, I thought that the Giants, depending on what they're doing, they're trying to get cap friendly and get rid of some players, but they had a good draft. I like what Philly did in the draft. I really do. I think Philly did enough in the draft and getting A.J. Brown that if Jalen Hurts can manage games and make some big plays. I like them better than the Cowboys. You still have Dallas as the elite team in that division, or is Philly gaining ground? I, I really think Philly is gaining ground, and I also like what they've done because they're trying to build a team that does not necessarily need to have the most elite quarterback in order to win. And it wasn't that long ago that we saw that they had a team without really in a totally elite quarterback that won the Super Bowl, right? They beat the Patriots with Nick Foles at quarterback. And yes, Carson Wentz was considered an MVP candidate in 17 before he tore the ACL out in Los Angeles. But like that, that's not who they won the Super Bowl with, you know? So 
I love that they went out and they got A.J. Brown to pair with somebody like Devontae Smith. You know, that, to me, can really be one of the dynamic wide-receiving duos in the National Football League. So they seem like they have a really good plan, and there's no excuses for Jalen Hurts, right? If this thing doesn't work out where he doesn't show that he can not only lead them to the playoffs but win a playoff game, win another playoff game, get them in the position, then – they know that they got to go out and get another QB. So it's going to be a really interesting season to see from those Eagles. And I mean, Dallas, I think is still good. As long as they've got Dak Prescott at QB, they're going to be competitive, but the NFC East hasn't had a repeat champion. I think since like what, 2003, 2004, when the Mm -hmm. Eagles did it with Andy Reid. So the odds are telling us that it's going to be somebody besides Dallas. And if I had to pick one right now, I would pick Philly. Hey, last one. I wanted to ask you this, Miles, because I know Mike Florio will go back a long way with him uh, writing for Pro Football Talk. Really, Florio is the only guy, and you guys work in and around him, that is courageous enough on topics like the Gruden emails, Daniel Snyder, issues surrounding what's happening with the lawsuit in Miami with Stephen Ross and Brian Flores. What's it like to be associated with a company like that that has the courage to go after stories like that when most outlets don't cover it at all unless it's breaking news and it gets handed to them. At least Pro Football Talk is investigating it and keeping these topics alive. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it's one of the things that I'm proud of, you know, that, that we do that at Pro Football Talk and that we don't really shy away from any topic. Um, I, I think it's great, and I think that it's great that because you know, we're associated with NBC and NBC Sports, and NBC is obviously broadcaster of – uh, the biggest show in America, you know, in Sunday night football, that they don't even make us back off or, or shy away from going after the or covering, I really should say, the stories that we think matter and we think matter to our audience. And so, yeah, no, I, I frankly, I really think it's great. And I think that it's great that Florio sets that precedent. And, you know, hopefully we can continue those things uh, well into the future. Where does Baker Mayfield end up? Oh, man. I. It's, it's the same thing really was with Garoppolo, right? I mean, I, if the Panthers really wanted Baker Mayfield, they would have traded for him. You can't convince me that they wouldn't have and that, oh, my gosh, the Browns didn't want to pay enough of the salary and da-da-da. Like, they didn't really want Baker Mayfield that badly. Otherwise, he'd be there. He could go to Seattle. They seem to really like Drew Locke. Uh, the, other, the interesting thing, though, is, JT, I mean, when Baker Mayfield really was kind of going on the trade block, right, Mm-hmm. The Colts still needed a QB, and then the Colts were able to acquire Matt Ryan. If teams really felt really good about Baker Mayfield being their QB, somebody would have traded for him by now. And the Colts, mm-hmm. instead of going with somebody who's young and could potentially rise into being a franchise QB, go with somebody on the back, the two or three of their career, right, instead of somebody who's ascending in Baker Mayfield. So I think that says a lot about the situation. Thank you, Michael. We'll talk again. Really appreciate your time. All the best. Thanks for the Tom Brady uh, content, too. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Lucci. Miles Simmons. Thanks for him jumping in here. Appreciate him coming on. A late notice here on the Brady News. So good to get him from Pro Football Talk and your opinion on this. The biggest story in sports. We were going to pivot today. I'll talk about it later tonight, too, on my other show on Sirius XM as Brady is able to now jump into the, to the media world and go right to the top. How will that affect everybody else? Everybody else should be thrilled. Skip Bayless, who, again, I interviewed Skip back in the day when he wasn't the guy he is now, 
I mean, every all the boats rise. All the salaries go up after this. Anybody who's a really good broadcaster is going to make more money because of Tom Brady because he's setting the bar so high. Other guys are going to be able to negotiate bigger contracts, and maybe it might be only a million or two more per year for a guy. But if you're making $16 million, it takes you to 18 If you're making nine, it takes you to 11 Whatever it is, that's impressive. Blown away by this news today. Uh, we're waiting to see what the Raiders are going to do. Vinny Bonsignor wrote about the potential to get in and get another cornerback. We'll talk about that coming up next hour. Rick Haro, the sports professor, will also join us as a recap. I haven't seen him since he was out here for the draft, but he wants to talk about the draft and how successful it was here for the Raiders. James Bradbury, is that a, a good player for the Raiders to get now with the relationship with Patrick Graham? Can the Raiders renegotiate with him, get a deal in place that makes sense? Uh, Kenny Young also coming up his best year in his career signs with the Raiders. Vinny wrote about that yesterday. I think that Dave Ziegler is going to be active after June 1st. As I talked to him in the building over a week ago, it was about an offensive lineman on the air. He didn't give me anything, but I think on June 1st, cut downs for salary purposes, the Raiders, if they're working that cap correctly, which I think they are, they're going to find a way to get an offensive lineman in. And that, to me, would not be the final piece, but it could be close to the final piece of the Raiders' roster, not knowing which undrafted players are going to make the team or not and wondering what's going to happen if there's a signing after June 1st. If it's on the offensive line, I think that'll be it for the Raiders, and they'll go with this team into camp and have an opportunity to be a very good football team this year. The roster has been upgraded. The roster has been upgraded significantly with Chandler Jones, and no doubt about it with the Ed, with Devontae Adams. So those two moves right there gave the Raiders, I believe, a victory in the offseason with free agency. The team, I think, that won the entire offseason due to the draft is the Jets, and the Raiders don't play the Jets again this year. They'll play Jacksonville, and Jacksonville had a very active offseason, huge offseason when they rebuilt their entire roster with what they've done in free agency. So with all that combined, pretty exciting. Also, I didn't get to Steph Curry last night. Warriors were getting beat the entire game. Completely outplayed by Memphis, the dubs. Completely outplayed the entire game. And then Steph Curry changes his sneakers, comes out, and they win. What a win for the Warriors. And they would have got beat nine times out of ten on any night and didn't even play for Memphis. But who cares? The Warriors won. Because they had better experience, they didn't turn it over late, and they made some big shots. We'll talk about that with Olden Polonies, who will also join us next hour. 